As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Hello and welcome to the show that brings you the thought and theology of C.S. Lewis with me, Ruth Jackson, and Professor Alistair McGrath. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles, resources, and podcasts. That's premierunbelievable.com. But now for today's show. In this series, C.S. Lewis expert Professor Alistair McGrath is delving into the Space Trilogy, arguably one of Lewis's lesser-known works of fiction. We'll be exploring the three books in the trilogy, Out of the Silent Planet, Perilandra and That Hideous Strength. Alistair, thank you so much for joining us again today. Well, it's great to be back and to talk more about C.S. Lewis. Well, we're going to be discussing C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy over the next few episodes. But before we dive sort of specifically into the books, one of the questions I'd love to know, Alistair, is did C.S. Lewis see himself as a fiction writer? I think he came to see himself as a fiction writer, but I think initially this was an experiment, really. Uh, His early experiment with writing fiction, of course, was A Pilgrim's Regress, which wasn't terribly successful. And I think what we are seeing in these three books is Lewis developing his style as a fiction writer. And in my view, they work quite well, but not as well as the Chronicles of Narnia. But you can see Lewis beginning to learn the art of writing fiction. I think it's really interesting to see the way in which he uses it. Now, many people don't even know that Lewis wrote the Space Trilogy, and I guess even less people have probably read the three books. Do you have any inclination why this might be, Alistair? I think many who've read the Chronicles of Narnia, who then come and look at um, the Space Trilogy, will say, I I can't really get into this. It it seems to take a different form. It doesn't really have the shape, the the dynamic I would expect from Lewis. So I think the problem is that many people will approach these novels with the expectations they've generated by reading the Chronicles of Narnia. And I have to say they are quite difficult for modern readers because they involve stepping back not simply into a different narrative form, but to a different social world. So I think that's one of the reasons why actually they have not been as widely read as perhaps they deserve, and why many readers who are familiar with Narnia will find these three books quite difficult. So why then, in your opinion, should we read the Space Trilogy, Alistair? Well, I think we can see two main reasons. One is, if you're interested in Lewis, he is learning the art of writing fiction. I think we can learn a lot from that, just looking at this and seeing Lewis finding his voice. But secondly, Lewis really is is exploring questions that were becoming very important in the early 1940s, the nature of science, the human relation to um, the world around us, and also some theological questions. What happens 
if there's no fall, that kind of thing. So it's a really interesting window into the way in which Lewis was thinking. And that's why I think a lot of people do find these works, although difficult, actually to be really quite rewarding. Well, we're going to be focusing on those individual books, Out of the Silent Planet, Perilandra, and That Hideous Strength in later episodes. But what I'd love to do now is if we could just have a sort of very brief overview of the whole trilogy. And I guess at this point, it might be worth saying there may be a couple of spoilers in some of the things that we're talking about. So probably just recommend that people actually read the books and then it won't be a spoiler. But but if you could, I'm, I'm holding up the book for anyone who can't see. And it is, I mean, this is the trilogy, but it's ginormous. Would you, if you're able, Alistair, to just give a, a tiny little brief overview of the whole trilogy? Well, basically, um, the, there are three consecutive novels and they are interconnected. The, the, there's a, a continuity of sorts um, between some of the central characters, including Ransom, of course, and that's very important. Ransom is a, a very important character in these um, novels. Some people actually call it the Ransom Trilogy. And basically what Lewis is doing is following the fortunes of Ransom in a number of different contexts. For example, to begin with in this journey to Mars, then in this journey to Venus, then finally we're back on Earth for the the final and most difficult and demanding episode. And basically what we're discovering here is what happens to Ransom, the people he meets, the questions he raises, initially on the planet Mars, then the planet Venus, and then back here on Earth. And actually, there are overlaps between all of these. I think it's probably best if we explore each of these as we go along. But in general terms, what Lewis is doing is saying, everybody's reading science fiction. Let me try and use science fiction to make some very important points. Well, you mentioned that this was quite an early work of fiction, would you let us know when exactly Lewis was writing the Space Trilogy and I guess kind of place it within the context of some of his other work because that might be quite helpful as we're beginning this journey, Alistair? Well, Lewis began to uh, think about and write the, these vo- volumes in the late 1930s and the final volume was completed by 1945. So we're looking really at the period of the Second World War. I think that is actually quite significant because for Lewis, the Second World War raised some very big questions about the way in which science was used, um, human nature, I mean, where where, where was it going? Um, Why are we at war? Uh, And there were some very big questions that Lewis was exploring. So basically, he was writing these at a time when very big questions were being raised. But also, I think, people were raising questions about science, the role of science in warfare, the role of science in effect advancing human um, fortunes. And Lewis really felt that he wanted to engage some questions about where science was taking us and what might happen to us as human beings if science got out of control. And we see that happening particularly in the third of these volumes. And what I want to say really is that by the end of the Second World War, Lewis was shown to be absolutely right. There are some very difficult and very important questions that need to be engaged. And I guess you've you've touched on this, but are, are there any other reasons why he wanted to write the Space Trilogy? Well, I think one of them was that um, he was very much aware that people who, who had previously written science fiction like H.G. Wells, um, in effect, were using um, science fiction to propagate their own particular views. In the case of H.G. Wells, a kind of evolutionary naturalism. I think one of the things that Lewis was thinking was this, um, why can't I use science fiction Another the same literary genre as H.G. Wells, but this time use it to critique his way of thinking and say there are other ways of looking at this. So in effect, 
Lewis saw this as being a very productive way of, in effect, engaging the science fiction audience, but giving them a different way of looking at things than H.G. Wells and others were doing. You mentioned H.G. Wells there. I mean, were there other sort of famous science fiction stories in existence when Lewis was writing? Well, I think that uh, there were a number of other writings. Um, David Lindsay's Voyage to Arcturus, which came out in 1920, is a very good example because we know that Lewis read that very carefully and thought, this is actually a very good book. And actually, I want to try and um, try and mimic some of its, its features. But I think it's helpful to say that on the literary side, H.G. Wells is important. For example, um, Art of the Silent Planet does in some ways uh, offer a counterpart to H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds. So you can see there, Lewis is really saying, let's talk about this in more detail by proposing a counter-narrative to what H.G. Wells is proposing. But there were other trends in British culture at the time, for example, um, uh, J.B.S. Haldane, a well-known Marxist, who in effect became a very aggressive advocate of scientism. Science is going to solve all our problems. Those who became very influential in the 1920s, early 1930s. And Lewis is saying, I'm not so sure about this. <laughs> we really do need to think about this harder. And of course, for Lewis, telling a story is one of the best ways of opening up questions. What are some of the key themes that are unpacked in the Space Trilogy? You've obviously mentioned some of them already, but is there anything else that is sort of a big question, big answers that Lewis is trying to approach in the Space Trilogy? I think one of them is really, um, is science taking away our ability to make moral judgments? In other words, does science simply provide a morality which says, we can do this, therefore we shall do this? And Lewis is really asking, were traditional um, humane virtues, you know, like um, decency, goodness, um, fit into a scientific way of thinking? But there's also something else, and it's kind of this idea that, um, that humanity sees itself as being better than everything else. And Lewis is trying to explore the place of humanity in the natural order. Is there a certain place we have to accept or can we, through science, in effect, reinvent ourselves and do things that up to this point we've not been able to do? So Lewis is really opening up questions like that. He's also very worried that scientific advance, in effect, means scientific control. In other words, there's a danger that a group of people, scientists, will, will start directing the way in which society develops. And Lewis wants to say, um, I have no objection to scientists, but we do need many more voices in thinking about where we are developing as a culture. So there are a lot of things going on here that Lewis is really quite worried about and wants to explore with his readers. And are there any significant philosophical and theological ideas that, it, Lewis, that Lewis explores in these books? Well, there certainly are. I mean, one of them is um, uh, the nature of the fall. I mean, uh, Lewis, Lewis reflects quite a lot on this. Did the fall have to happen? What would things look like if, if there wasn't a fall? And Lewis really is, is opening up these questions. They become very, very interesting. But also, and I think this is uh, really quite significant, how do we understand the place of God in a scientific world? And Lewis there, I think, is, is really saying that we cannot get away from God. In fact, we need God if we're going to survive in this new culture that's opening up. And Lewis Hank is aware that science very often is presenting itself as the savior of humanity. 
And what Lewis is saying is we need to save ourselves from ourselves because actually science has a very disturbing tendency to bring out the bad side of human nature and we need some way of checking this. I mean, there's so many huge things, as you've mentioned there, lots of theological ideas, scientism, all of this. I mean, does, does Lewis expand on any of these themes and ideas in his nonfiction? Because I suppose in some ways he's not necessarily bringing commentary into this. He's just sort of saying them and, and kind of imagining. But, but is there anywhere where he talks about his ideas in his nonfiction and expands in some ways on, on the fiction? That's a very important question. The answer is he does. And the, the one I would single out as being particularly important is his 1943 work, The Abolition of Man. Now, The Abolition of Man basically is a short series of lectures he gave um, uh, at King's College, Newcastle in 1943. And he's opening up these questions about whether humanity needs an imagination the place of science. Is science really about helping us to understand and appreciate our world? Was it about controlling our world and, in effect, making the world do what we want? And Lewis ex explores this idea, I think, very well in those lectures. But the problem is, the abolition of man did not sell well, and it was rather inaccessible to people. And I think Lewis is quite explicit that he felt that the, the real thing he wanted to do was open up those questions that were um, there in the abolition of man in narrative form, because that would make them much more accessible and much more interesting. So you can see particularly um, that hideous strength as being, if you like, um, a, a narrative, a story, which allows Lewis to explore those questions that he opened up in that 1943 set of lectures. Alistair, do we know what some of the influences were on Lewis while he was writing the Space Trilogy? And I guess kind of linked him with that. Where did he get some of these ideas from? Because some of them feel, you know, really quite random, I guess, if you're sort of taking it out of context and not looking at, at the context within which he was writing. Well, I think there are a number of things we can we can think about. And I, this, this is one of the reasons why it is a bit difficult to read these books. Lewis is clearly reflecting debates of the 1930s. Um, and these were quite significant about the capacity of science to control things, about what a future for humanity would look like. And there are an awful lot of ideas buzzing around in British culture at this time, which we've forgotten about altogether. And the problem is we really need to immerse ourselves into British cultural debates of the 1930s to kind of connect up with some of the issues that Lewis is looking at. And most of us just don't have the time to do that. So I think what we have to do is just say, look, maybe we don't fully get what Luther is, what Lewis is getting at, but nevertheless, it clearly is important. But one thing that he clearly is concerned about is the role of science and the human ability to misuse science to, in effect, advance our own agendas. That's a big one for Lewis. But also, of course, Lewis has read other works of science fiction. He rather likes them. And he wants to kind of explore how this form of storytelling might help him develop his own skills. And uh, I don't know whether other Lewis scholars would agree with me, but as I read the Chronicles of Narnia, particularly the early chapters of The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's all about exploring a new world and trying to figure out what is. And I see those questions being explored in the science trilogy. Uh, and if you like, Lewis may be using these as kind of a way of preparing the ground for that later work. But the other thing I think we need to come back to is the place of science in culture. 
And Lewis is terrified that the humanities will be eclipsed by science. And that's one of the reasons why um, the third, the most difficult, the longest of this trilogy is so important, because in there, Lewis is really saying that the humanities are there to, in effect, teach us certain skills and virtues which you don't get from science. If you, if you leave everything to science, you are not going to be properly human. So there are a lot of issues bubbling up to the surface here. Thank you for listening to this C.S. Lewis podcast with me, Ruth Jackson. We were hearing there from Professor Alistair McGrath, talking about one of Lewis's lesser-known works of fiction, The Space Trilogy. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles, resources and podcasts. That's premierunbelievable.com. Thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs>